Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, I talked to Mo Moolah, and I thought his name was more Moolah at first, and I thought it was a scammer trying to get in touch with me to get on the show, but it turns out that's his actual name. It was very confusing. He has an awesome story. He bought a site for about $2,400, $2,700, something like that, in September of 2019, And then an algorithm update hit and his traffic dropped by 30 to 40%. However, he persevered. He learned a lot about niche websites, affiliate marketing, and some of the details you have to deal with on-site and off-site. And then he sold the site in September of 2020 for, I think it was like $24,000. So pretty awesome story. He didn't really have a background in affiliate marketing, and he learned it along the way as problems uh, sort of arose, and he had to figure out how to solve them. So this is a great story. I think I thought I was getting tricked with um, you know more names. We had the Mark Mars a couple of weeks ago. We got Mo Moolah, but it turns out these are just regular names, and I'm a little paranoid. So let's not delay anymore. Let's get to the interview. Mo, how are you doing today? Pretty good. Pretty good, yeah. Thanks for asking. And yeah, it's no joke. When I first got the email from you, I was like, is this a real name? I mean, I thought it could be a fun marketing thing. But uh, yeah, after we chatted for a minute, I was like, oh, I feel bad for assuming that. But you know, the internet's a crazy place. So it is. And for the people that don't know you, like myself, we literally have only talked for a few minutes. Can you just give a quick intro, um, you know, your day job? and uh you know a little bit about yourself yeah definitely I, so uh before this i was my kind of day job was in email marketing I, I was in the online industry but in the kind of email marketing industry for a little while i built lists uh sold affiliate products yeah in like a variety of niches so like tons of different kind of different niches a lot of different campaigns and that done really well for about three or four years but things started to change in the email marketing industry and I decided to just kind of diversify some income, which is the reason why I kind of came into kind of niche site building. So, okay. so yeah. And did you work for yourself with the email marketing or were you part of a bigger organization? Yeah, good question. I was all self-employed. So I literally went online, figured out, kind of tapped in how to make money online type stuff. And yeah, you get just, just an avalanche of information just sifted through everything. And for me, email marketing kind of, it stuck up because the returns are pretty good. And obviously if you know how to write an email uh, and you've got like a, like a tailor-made audience, then eventually if you, if you write the right, the correct emails to them, they're going to pull out credit card and buy something. So it, it aligned with, with what I was willing to do at the time. And it, it's, it's, it worked. It worked really well. And w- what shifted with email marketing? Yeah. I'm a big fan of it myself, but yeah, what, what made you want to look for other options? Essentially, if you do email marketing the correct way, you probably will will keep an account open for indefinitely, right? But unfortunately, sometimes you can, I guess, send the wrong emails out and you have the wrong subscribers opt-in. And that just means that you're, you've run the risk of, of getting an account closed down. And for me, it happened just too many times. Sometimes these, these kind of companies will just do checks, random checks, and uh, they'll, they'll just ask you general questions and stuff, and usually you pass them. But sometimes they'll just blanket ban your account. And I think it happened once or twice in some of my biggest accounts. And I thought, this, this is ridiculous. Like, I've lost my entire business almost overnight. So I said, I've got to diversify because this isn't going to sustain 
like a like a family. So yeah. And it's funny you mention it that way because for a lot of affiliate marketers or other, you know, just people that work online. And I really encourage people to build an email list because that is an asset that is sort of agnostic. Um, But I have had those experiences where basically the email marketing company like an Aweber or ActiveCampaign or, uh, you know, fill in the blank, there's 20 or 30 of them out there, even more. Um, Yeah, they could just shut down your account, not refund your money, and they basically don't have to tell you anything. So Yeah, no reasons heart heartbreaking when 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 that happens so okay that's a whole other area but you realize i need to diversify and you got into affiliate marketing so i I take it you were probably aware that people were building affiliate sites and getting seo traffic versus your email list building route so how did you um navigate into purchasing the site definitely so so i understood that well, I understood that you could build blogs, obviously. That's kind of like a given. But to I didn't really understand the monetization models of, of having a website. It's very different to email marketing. That's kind of just one additional monetization uh, method. So I kind of figured out, okay, this website thing, is it's been around for a little while. I understand why it's important. But I wanted to find out how much money you can make, essentially. That was really important because I was trying to diversify income. And, um, and I wanted to know, okay, with this asset, how much can I make? So that's kind of where I navigated through to and that's when I kind of found these Facebook groups and within those Facebook groups I figured out okay so you you can sell for 30x 25x whatever or more it's an asset and and obviously it's based on monthly income so that was really attractive to me having an asset that continued to build month to month and then it it had the possibility to to sell for 30x at the end of I don't know year one or year two it was very attractive so so research and it kind of took me to a Facebook group and that's where I bought I guess the first the first um, asset. What kind of information were you looking for from the seller um, before making the purchase? Yeah, good question. So, so in hindsight, I probably didn't ask enough questions. Right, I was pretty new to buying websites. Uh, I don't. I try to do as much due diligence as possible. But I mean, unless you do this full time or you have a team that understands how to buy websites, you're going to miss stuff, right? And uh, a funny story is, I, I missed a few things in in the website. So, for example, when I I saw it. For me, what stuck out was it had it had an okay link profile. It'd been around for a little while. I think it had been been uh, had been purchased about three. The domain had been purchased about three years ago, so it had some track record there. But what kind of sealed it for me was it had about sixty thousand or maybe fifty thousand words of unpublished content, which I thought, okay, fantastic. Why hasn't he published it? Maybe I'm just going to pick up website, publish the content, and it's just going to pour in the traffic, you know. But what I didn't realize was that this content was basically rubbish. It was just like very generic, not spun, but, but very badly, poorly written English. And I would have to go through everything and, and reformat it. Uh, and importantly, it had no SEO value, really. It had no keywords attached to it. So it was almost like a blank slate, almost. So those those are the things I was looking for. Okay. Yeah. And I know kind of what you're, I know what you're talking about. I purchased a site back in the day just to kind of go through the process at a particular vendor and marketplace. And yeah, the content was basically garbage. It was fine if you read it, but there was no real information and no keywords. So there was no traffic. You know, what were the stats on the site? How much traffic was it getting? How many articles and some other details like that? It was, well, let's go for finance first. Uh, Commissions, it was making about, it was making about 200 bucks actually when I first picked it up. Well, that was the 
the, the average for the last, I guess, six months. Um, content, it had about mm, 50 articles published, I reckon. Based on based on those two things, it was like, okay, this is, seems like to be a, kind of a good asset. Uh, good content, good monetization history. Like I mentioned, the links looked okay. Wasn't a link expert at the time, so I didn't really know what I was looking for, but it didn't look too spammy looking at the, the kind of link profile. So yeah, those are the kind of the, the two or three main things. Also, I checked out what keywords it was ranking for on, I guess, page two, because that was pretty important. And I just wanted to see if I could rank additional pages uh, based on based on that information. So it had like, I don't know, about seven or eight really good keywords on page two. So that was a kind of a plus sign for me to pick it up. Do you remember how much traffic it was getting at the time? Traffic. It was about about 150 visitors, page views a day, probably something like that, in and around that. Uh, definitely under 200 and probably above 100. So it was doing okay. Okay. So maybe like 5,000 visitors a month or so? Yeah, something in that in that range. Yeah. Okay. Pretty cool. And then you said the content looked okay, and I take it the keywords looked all right. Did you look for anything else specific, like within the content as quality markers or the formatting or anything like that? Yeah. So I I was getting to grips with CRO. So I wanted to see, I don't really, well, at the time, it made sense to buy something that had good CRO. But looking at it now in hindsight, it's probably better to buy something with bad conversion rate optimization because you can change it and and spike the conversions, right? So it had it had okay CRO, seemed to be, to be working because the best pages had had, a, had had good conversion rates based on kind of what Amazon was telling me. So that looks okay. In terms of the content quality, I did read through some of it. Uh, not all of it. There was there was a lot of content there. But the main pages, and they were well written. I believe the person who was selling it had, I guess, a friend that was 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 writing it. Maybe they had they had they was in the industry at the time, so they they had some experience. So they, they wrote it. It wasn't fantastic, but it was it was it was um okay for me just to go back and just tweak some stuff. And you mentioned the backlinks looked okay. Nothing yep. too crazy or spammy. Do you remember how many there were? And do you know if they were like guest right. post or some other kind of link building strategy? Yeah, good question. I don't remember specifically how many backlinks there were, but I do remember it had an okay mix. We'll get into this in a second, but there were some links that just didn't make any sense at all. It was like from a Russian site and had nothing to do with the industry. So I was like, okay, this is a bit questionable, but there weren't too many, but enough for me to kind of put my eye up and think, okay, these need to probably go. If I'm being honest, it didn't have as, as many links in the industry, industry to industry. I mean, I might as well just, just say it was in the pet industry. So so it didn't have many links from the pet industry like connecting towards it. So so that was probably a way for something I could build on. The owner at the time had about six or seven sites. So he did mention that this was one of his smaller ones and it was just kind of twiddling away. It done well maybe a year ago, but as he'd spent more time on other sites, it just it lost focus. So there wasn't many new links pointing to the side because you hadn't done much outreach. So mostly looked pretty good. You thought, hey, let's pull the trigger. You did some negotiation. Yeah. And did you use an escrow at all or you just paid direct? Yeah, yeah. Funny story. So with escrow, first time I ever used it, uh, we set it all up. We negotiated price and um, we went to escrow and he kept asking me, have I done, have I fit, verified escrow? Have I verified escrow? And I was like, yeah, it's been done. So um, he asked me a few times. I went back into it and I just essentially clicked at the time, I thought it was verified, but I think it was just, it was accept payment or something like that. And the payment just went straight to him before I actually got the website. And I was like, okay, I read I read through it. I was like, wait, did I just send him all the money? And I sent him a message. Luckily, he was just a, a good guy, honest guy. And he said, yeah, that's fine. You've obviously sent the money by accident. Um, we'll still go through with it. But yeah, that's that's a, that's a good tip. Be careful with escrow because you can make mistakes. That's funny. I've never used an escrow service. And fun, funny thing, I have sold a website 
just directly and they just wired me the money because there was a lot of, I mean, people know who I am yeah, and I'm yeah. not going to go and screw somebody over. So they yeah. were like, yeah, sure. If like, we'll just pay the money. It wasn't even like 50% up front or any kind of thing. It was just like, here's this huge amount of money. So, yeah. um, yeah. yeah. So there's some good people out there. There's some yeah, good luckily. People. luckily, luckily. Okay. So you get the site in your possession. Um, you change over the affiliate links and do the normal migration activities. And then you got this algorithm update, the ever present, um, you know, just chance that you could lose your organic traffic. And then the whole equation just falls apart. So how, how did you yeah. deal with this? Like what yeah. happened and how, how'd you deal with it? It was tricky because what I didn't realize, and I mean, I'm assuming the, the kind of owner did realize it had been hit. Well, the algo had just, just kind of came out and it was slowly decreasing. Based on my research, I couldn't tell how far it was going to go down. For me, it looked like it was going to stabilize. So I kind of took the risk of buying as is, but of course it went down, which means what I what it was valued at wasn't necessarily what I purchased at because once everything goes down, you lose almost, well, I lost like 40% of the traffic, which wouldn't be too bad if it was just information posts, but it was like, it was review posts as well. So that was like, like 50% of, of commissions just drops because one page that was significantly, it was it had a lot of significant traffic. It just got wiped out totally. So I was like, okay, wow, this is not great at all. So it lost traffic. It lost, it lost that particular review post. What I know now that I didn't realize was you really got to check which pages are bringing in all the, all the, all the, all the cash, all the commissions, because if they do fluctuate, which they kind of always will, but if they go down too heavily, the valuation that that your, your pain is never going to hold. It's never going to kind of withstand the, the, the test of time. So you need to know specifically how many pages are ranking and how many, I guess, you're going to rank to kind of keep it upwards. So, so yeah, that happened. It, it got hit. For 40% was like a lot. I was like, wow, this, this thing, I mean, it didn't have much traffic, but now it's got a lot less to spend all this money, which, I mean, it's not a significant amount, but it's still a decent amount of, of cash. So I was like, okay, wow, what's going to happen now? So that was my dilemma when I first picked it up, it was within about four weeks, it just kind of all plummeted. How did you share this story with like family or friends? Like, <laughs> Hey, <I didn't. laughs> okay. So you, you're yeah. just like, all right, hopefully we could fix this. And then yeah. I could just tell the story after it's all better. Right. Yeah. Well, I, if I'm being honest, I wanted a refund from, from the seller. I almost, I didn't say it luckily, but I was like, you sold me this failing website that maybe you knew, maybe you didn't, but like everything's gone to shit. And I'm like, well, what am I going to do if it's open? But in hindsight, it was the best thing that ever happened because because it was starting kind of from rock bottom. I had to figure out how to do audits, technical audits. I had to think about how to disinbound links, which at the time I had no idea. Like, what do you mean? Go into Google and submit requested to, to, to de-index links. How does that even work? So, so yeah, I had to go through all those things. And then, again, because the content wasn't ranking, I had to figure out, okay, why is the content not ranking? Let's, let's go deep into it and do a content audit and find out what has gone down, what, why has it gone down, et cetera. So, so yeah, that was, it was a blessing in disguise. Okay. So let's dive into those areas. And first let's talk about the on-page. So you audited the on-page and yep. what did you look for? And then what did you do to fix it? Yeah. So I start the website into Ahrefs and they've got like a fantastic site audit tool. Um, I mean, I think there's even a way for you can, for people to get it for free right now, but at the time you had to pay for it, right? Put it into to, to Ahrefs and it had, it gave me like maybe about 50 or 60 different different items to, to check. Um, the most important ones were pages that were kind of, I think they're called 404 or 301. Some of them were redirected and some of them were just hitting blank walls and, and getting, uh, it was just like a broken page. So I've uh, checked those, those are really important. Fixed those, 
Um, there were like lots of title tags and headers and meta tag descriptions missing or invalid or duplicated. Um, so I just went through that list and just meticulously changed things and edited things and allowed the site to, it was just cleaner. Once I finished just the, the technical audit, it was a lot cleaner. And then after that, there was like a content audit that I did as well. So with the content <laughs> audit, what, what did you look for there? Ahrefs, again, has a really good template, like a spreadsheet that you plug your website into. And it, it once you put the input in, it outputs all of the different web pages and it allows you to, to see which ones are receiving a lot of traffic and which ones are not getting much at all. So um, I put the, my parameters in and I found out that probably about 20% of the, tra- of the, maybe a little bit more, maybe like 30% of the, of the web pages, they wasn't really receiving much traffic and they'd been around for like six months plus. So, so if they haven't got traffic and, and they've been around for, and for a little while, it probably makes sense to either redirect them and consolidate them or just delete them completely. Uh, I tried not to delete too many, but there were some that was like maybe 300 words that kind of didn't need to be on the website as is. So they've got deleted and I just consolidated tons of, of information. So again, it was in a pet niche. So for example, let's say like talking about cats, if there was different articles on cats, but they were going around the same thing and they were really short, I'm just put them all together. And then importantly, I, I would like optimize the keywords that the that when Google comes and re, re, researches for the content, it's something that's more structured and there's a keyword in there and there's title tags are correct and the H1's correct, etc. So that took a little while, actually. It took a little while just to kind of go through and consolidate and redirect and that one's broken, needs to be fixed, etc. Do you remember how many articles you removed or consolidated? So you started with roughly 50 and then how many after this audit exercise? Yeah. So the stick rate was probably about 20, about 30 actually. So 60% of articles stayed, but 40% of them either removed or was was consolidated and maybe like 10% were just deleted outright because they didn't really make any sense at the time. So it was definitely well needed because once it was finished, the site was like really lean. It had all of the information, all of the title tags and everything was correct. And when I read it indexed everything, you could just see it just felt a lot, a lot, a lot uh, faster. Okay, great. And then was there anything else with on-site that you did before we move on to your off-site and link audit? I wasn't really familiar with on-site. Uh, I knew conceptually what it meant. So I've done some research with that and it, I picked up a tool called Surfer with a surfer SEO, which is a really, really good tool and played around with the metrics and that. I've done a few tests and left it for like two, three, four, five, six weeks and saw what worked and what didn't. And it, it had a really profound effect on on uh, the positions that the top pages were were in the SERPs. So essentially what, what Surfer does is just because kind of gives you like a competitive analysis of where your competitors are. So I just plugged in, for example, like word count. My words were maybe like 900, but everything on, on page one was like, 1,500, I just added more words. Or if if I had too too much uh, text that was bolded or if I didn't have the correct link structure in place or uh, it had like maybe six or seven different um, parameters that you need to, you just need to close the gap essentially. Um, put more, add more, specifically they had phrases and word matches that you need to include. So for example, like a cat page again, it would have like, um, if, the, if the, the page had different keywords on, sorry, if, the page that your competitors had had certain keywords or phrases, you would kind of need to have those as well because Google's kind of telling you this is, if you want to be top three, you need to have these, this type of words and this many times, et cetera. So yeah, played with all those things, especially for the top 10 pages and just got the on-site looking really, it looked robust. It was a lot more um, filled. Content was propped up a little bit. And as time started to move on and test, and I've done a few more tests, the, uh, the on-page made a big difference, actually, especially okay. specifically with Zephyr. 
and I've heard um, from from many people, if you go through both areas that you're talking about where you eliminate the basically unneeded content, content that is not doing well, yeah. and <clears throat> you you go and you improve the existing content, you'll get like pretty quick returns on that because yeah. you don't have to wait for the turnaround time for links. So if you do link building, it could take mm-hmm. a little while before you know, you see a big impact. So moving on to the audit of the offsite and and those links that you were disavowing. And for people that don't know, you could just submit a file in the Google search console and then Google won't consider those links anymore. And if you're experiencing negative SEO, if you have links that were maybe built and they're crappy, you should get rid of them. So how did you assess those links on yeah, the site. Yeah, good question. Good question. So, so I had to essentially download all my links, which didn't take too long, but I had to make sure that I had the, all of the information. Uh, you can do that with Ahrefs as well, but I, I used Search Console because it just it, it made more sense if if search if Google's telling me that these ones are incorrect or potentially, then let go to the source and find out. So, download that information. I just basically put a checklist. The checklist was as simple as if it's related to pets. Um, it probably can stay as long as it's not super spammy, which it usually wasn't. Uh, if it's not related to pets, then what's the link between the pages? Is it just someone big that, that really likes cats and they want to link it from their blog? Personally, that's fine. But if, is it like a random Russian site, which actually there were a few. I had nothing to do with pets. And it was like gambling. And it was like a really low domain, like ranking. And then there's no point in keeping it there because it's just, there's no link. There's, no, there's no, nothing positive about that particular link. And there was like maybe 10%, 15% of links that just were very odd didn't really make much sense so i just removed them all okay and then did you see any impact from that in the short term of course you're doing several things at once we can't attribute any one thing but um, when you remove the links did you see anything specific Uh, well what i wanted to see was that page that dropped heavily go up but unfortunately it didn't but what did happen is the pages that were that were dropping stopped dropping and they just kind of steadied a little bit and that was that was good enough for me because i had about two or three like top money pages and they had definitely taken effect but as i started to do a few of these different um cleanups specifically with the disembowel as well because like i said i thought there was some some pretty odd links in there you could just see them just steadying themselves and i was like okay month on month this is good because i can build on that okay very good. And any any other details with either disavowing or like reviewing the old links that you bought the site with? Yeah. One thing I would say is easy to just say, okay, yeah, that one doesn't make sense. Let's just delete that one. But I, I tried to keep it extremely strict. And if it was if it was like a really look spammy looking link, go into them, check them if they've got nothing to do with, with your area. Plus they look really, really odd themselves. They've got like a really bad track record. If you type them back into HREFs and you notice they've got no traffic and stuff, then chances are, and they've also just been created recently. Chances are they've, they've got no use to you. But I tried not to take too many out. I think, I can't remember how many referring domains there were. Maybe there was like 80 or 90. I took away about 10 or 12. So it wasn't like a ton, but it was it was necessary. Okay. And yeah, just to emphasize that you can screw up majorly by yeah. disavowing <laughs> um, you know, links that you think are bad, but are actually helping your site. The good part is you can go and change your disavow file, but it is a, it's kind of an advanced thing. It's simple in concept, but it's an advanced thing that you should tread lightly on. Like you said, be more conservative and then trim a little bit. And then you can always trim a little bit more. And that's a better approach than getting rid of everything. All right. So 
Okay. And just to reemphasize, right? So you're doing these advanced things. You've gone deep mm-hmm. into the content side. You basically didn't know how to do any of this stuff ahead of time, right? Yeah. Sorry. So if the, if the site had gone like fantastically well and it didn't didn't drop and plummet in, in, in the SERPs, I wouldn't even have, have um, researched these things. When, once the site was started to do bad, I had to kind of research, okay, why is it doing this? And in the research, I realized, okay, maybe it's the links or maybe it's the content or maybe on-site isn't fantastic uh, or maybe you need to add more backlinks in general. So so it was, like I said, it was kind of a blessing in disguise that I had done. It, what was good about it in, in a sense is it happened right at the beginning. So I was thrown into the deep end and it was kind of sink or swim. It was like, okay, you can either just leave it and I guess just get be upset and say this doesn't work, kick, kick your feet and, and move on. Or you can see it as a, as, a, as a learning process, which made sense at the time because I was kind of all in. Um, I didn't want to lose my money and I knew this thing, this thing kind of worked. So I just, yeah, just, just pulled pull my socks up, so to speak, and, and just done the research essentially, figured out what it was. So speaking of backlinks. Yeah. You told me that you have been doing really well with like guest posting and other sort of link placement. So take us through yep. your approach and actually before you even tell us the approach, what mm-hmm. results um, were you able to get in terms of the number of backlinks? Yeah. So, so I went all in, in, in backlinks for about three to four months. Um, previous, before that, I didn't really spend much time in backlinks. Uh, it not, wasn't because I didn't think that they were worthwhile, just because I didn't have the time. And if I'm being honest, backlinks are kind of scary. You, if you don't know what you're doing, uh, it can be difficult to like figure out what's actually, what's a good backlink, what's a bad one, how do you get them, right? So I kind of left that on my on my to-do list and it got to a point where I'd finished everything on my to-do list and the next thing was backlinks and I was kind of like, oh, I don't want to do this. But anyway, so so yeah, I, I figured out that it needed to be done. And I guess from that point onwards, I, uh, I just done more research and, and try to figure out, okay, what specifically, how, how for my time, what is going to be the best use of it? Uh, is it going to be doing manual outreach? Is it going to be, is it going to be paying for someone to, to kind of come in and do it for me? Is it going to be doing the skyscraper shotgun approach? It was, yeah, it was daunting because you read all this information. There's all these different kind of ways to do it. Uh, everyone's got a stance on it. PBNs are bad. This is good. And I was just, it was, it was difficult to, to ascertain what specifically what should I do to build links to this website? So yeah, tons of information. And I had to just kind of filter through and, and figure out what would work for the site. Okay. And you arrived at doing some outreach and guest posting. So how, how'd yeah. you set that up? Yeah. So, so initially I, I started out, I started out uh, sending emails one website at a time and very quickly realized that was like a, a bad approach to take but i had no choice because i was just kind of testing stuff so i would send an email to a company that i thought might be correct hit their support page and, and send an email the results were obviously very bad because no one gets no one gets back to you and after a, a few days i realized it's not going to kind of work so i thought okay how can i automate this process the way to automate it essentially would be to use a tool um, some type of outreach tool uh, and find a way to 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 grab all this, this data from from Google and 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 stick it into the tool to out, give you the output of, of their email address. So initially, I didn't want to spend any money. Uh, I tried to keep costs really really low. So I uh, I done I didn't use an outreach tool. I just I just grabbed all of the different domains and just kind of went to each one and would find like some type of support address or something like that. But again, quickly you, you realize that it's it's by not uh, kind of investing back in into your business, it kind of it definitely makes a difference because you're basically shooting yourself in the foot because if you don't have more email addresses and you're not sending out enough emails, you're not going to get enough links. 
so so yeah it was kind of that was the the, the mindset i was taking the bigger the data the the better the outreach process the realistically the easier you should be able to obtain links. And I can't remember if you you mentioned it, but you got about 75 links over that 12-week period. Is that that about right? Yeah, yeah, it's about right. 75. Okay, that's great. And for the, you know, people that haven't hired a service, I mean, that is many thousands of dollars worth of links, even at the lowest sort of um, like domain ratings and that sort of thing. Do you happen yeah. to remember the domain rating um, on average of those backlinks? Um, or yeah. What kind of results were you seeing in, in terms of authority? Yeah. So initially the site was about, the, my, the, the pet site was probably about 12 or 13 DR or like DA. So it was on the low side. Um, and when I started the outreach process, most people or most companies, websites above like 30 didn't really get back to me or they just say they're not interested so it, it took a little while the, the first few weeks were probably 20 dr and under um you get like a few people that might be interested maybe you've got like a, a good angle and they, they just enjoy the cat page for example and they want to they've got a good website um so you like at 40 or 50 but yeah it, what happened was it, it would start off really low with, with with those that were interested in terms of of the dr and then as time passed you'd get people like 50 and 60 dr that were interested before they wasn't interested at all, they wouldn't get back to you. So, so clearly, as the site started to, to increase, my 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 uh, I guess the weight in the, my outreach started to increase because people were saying yes, it's not yes, sorry, they were saying maybe instead of no. So yeah, so answer question, I don't know specifically how how well there was like seventy five ish of those. I think the average was probably about twenty five, twenty six. Uh, yeah, which is not too bad considering the, the the DR of the site was below that, so it was a good average. And then you were able to get, you know, from 13 or 14 for your site to over 31 in those 12 yeah. weeks. And I take yeah. it the traffic was increasing, you know, over time. Cause you, I mean, links take some time, but if you put in a good effort over the course of, you know, three months, like usually you're going to see some results. So what was traffic doing around this time? Yeah. So it, it had probably could you, not could you, but tripled. So I picked it up. It was doing about 150, 200. It got up to like 600 by this point. So, so, uh, and it was like a good diversity across money pages and info pages. So the whole site was kind of growing. Um, it wasn't just like one page that was responsible for like 400 hits. Um, so that was pretty cool. So it, it had gone up a really good amount. Uh, and the, the interesting part was I think every month it was increasing by like 15 to 20%, which was just showed a really good increase in, in traffic. And that was due to obviously some of the on-site stuff that I've been doing, but also some of the off-site stuff as well. So the link building had taken effect, especially as I started to continue to do it. And the people that were linking back had, had bigger profiles. Awesome. Were you adding content at the same time? Yeah. So, so with content, I didn't, I never really stopped adding content. When I first picked up the site, well, after the, within the first two months, I I had a content plan and the content plan was essentially as much content as possible, but no, it was, it was like structured content. So it was like, okay, this, this month I'm like 30 articles next month, maybe 40, maybe the next one 15. And it was structured based on, uh, I had like content silos in place. So again, it was like a pet niche. So let's do one content silo about this particular cat thing, next one about this particular cat thing, et cetera. So uh, what I found is that this was really interesting. When Google had ranked the site initially, the sites, the, sorry, the pages that were ranking really well, the, those topic areas, they continued to rank really well. So what I did was just check what's, what's doing really well. And then I would just structure content, like a, a nice content silo around this particular like pet thing one. And then another content silo around something else that was doing really well. So for me, it was like Google was kind of showing me, this is what we, we were kind of giving you authority for. So just carry on and, and push content about, around that. So I just carried on going down that, that kind of, um, 
the avenue. So content was was being pushed at the same time. So when the links were being being built, the content was all coming increasing at the same time. So it was kind of just this kind of concophony of of links, content all coming together, which was driving the site upwards, um, and it had a really big effect. And did revenue follow roughly the same? So it went up by three x or so, or did it? Was it different? Yeah. So so revenue, like as I mentioned, because traffic dropped initially, it was doing like two hundred bucks, but it dropped to like fifty bucks for the first few months. Fifty bucks, sixty bucks, hundred bucks for the first few months. So that was to be understood. But as the site started to pick up, the revenue definitely it started to like it didn't double uh, initially, but it was going up by I don't know like twenty five percent, fifty percent, based on very like it was based on commercial posts, obviously, because at the time the site was only really making money from from um, Amazon affiliate products, right? So it was based on probably about three or four posts that had been doing really well, and they continued to, to do really well in, in the SERPs. As I continued to move on, I diversified some income as well, but I guess maybe we can talk about that in a bit. Okay. Well, actually, go ahead. So yeah, yeah. Cool. Where, where did you diversify? Cool. So, so um, Amazon is very good. Obviously, everyone knows that, but they... They had cut commissions. I think they did it in like maybe May. I think I can't remember. Something like April. that. So April. There we are. End of April. They they cut commissions, uh, and I the pet niche was in it. So I didn't lose fifty percent. I lost like sixty percent of of what I was achieving before, which was just ridiculous. And the thing is, at that point, April was probably the highest revenue at the time. So it was it was like really spiking, 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 spiking. Um, and when they cut it, it's just like okay, this is ridiculous now because I'm I'm losing more than half. So uh, I had a, there was like a different, a second affiliate partner that, that um, had been trying to, I guess she was trying to court me. She was trying to get me to, trans, to transfer links over to her. As soon as the Amazon thing hit, I was like, okay, let's go. We had, a, we had a call the next day and I started to change over links just to test it out. Uh, and the test did okay. So I, uh, instead of just changing everything over to them, I just put different call to action buttons and uh, added, added those, those, those call to action buttons in, in the top pages. And that allowed me to diversify the income, which done, which actually made a really big difference. Because uh, with Amazon, I think I can't remember what the conversions were, but essentially with this one, this one affiliate product, it it pushed the sales up like quite a lot, considering. What what were the terms with the affiliate program? What percentage and how long was a cookie period? Yeah, the cookie was thirty days, which obviously is a big deal. The the terms was I think it was paying on a CPA basis, so there was paying twenty bucks per sale, which. Which is actually pretty good. Even though sometimes people would spend like 200, 300 bucks um, and you only get like credit at 20 bucks. Because it was a pet niche and people were buying like, I don't know, like cat collars for like eight bucks, you'd still get paid 20 bucks for, for, for the lead, um, which worked out really well when those those pages were receiving traffic because people were picking those those small items up and you were getting paid 20 bucks per lead. And obviously with Amazon cutting commission rates, it, it just offset that that failure, that loss, that, that slash, um, which kept the, the commissions pretty much even and slightly it started to slightly go up as well anything else with uh revenue yeah so so with amazon slashing what it was slashing i hadn't really anticipated adding ads to the ad revenue to the to the to the um to the website uh, just because i didn't think it was well first of all it didn't reach the, the, the minimum thresholds my kind of plan was to get it onto was to get it onto mediavine at 25k at the time they, they had like a threshold of 25k um, and that was kind of my plan. And uh, uh, before that, it w- I decided to stick it onto to Ezoic, which it did actually add. It added a, I can't remember how much percentage it was, but it added a good bottom line to to the website. My concern was, would it would it affect the, the affiliate commissions? And and after testing it, it didn't it didn't really make a big difference at all, to be honest. So uh, with Amazon uh, affiliate was on there, the second pet affiliate was on there as well, and also with ad revenue, 
the the, the revenue done okay. It's that it, it was diversified, and that's all I kind of wanted was that kind of diversified revenue. And did you put those ads on yeah. all the content or just on informational? And did you ever look at any other like sponsored, um, like individual ads or anything with companies or anything different? Initially, I only wanted to put them on info posts, but the un- the majority of the traffic was going to, to, to commercial posts. So it didn't really make any sense to just have them on there. So I, I added those onto to all the commercial posts because it, it propped the website up a little bit. It did, like I said, it didn't make a big difference. Um, there were some some sponsored posts that, that I um, accepted as well, um, like from, from some brands. And again, it's I think with those, they're, they're definitely good to diversify just because depending on where your affiliate revenue is, you can always, you can always add in a few hundred bucks based on which partners you kind of build a relationship with. the two different affiliate programs, the the, um, the advertisement revenue as well. Um, and also just small things like I applied for the UK and Canadian Amazon affiliates, which meant that anyone that was picking up products from there, um, I would still get still get commissions. Again, it wasn't anything fantastic, but it was enough for it to add to the bottom line. Now, as I, most of, the, most of the, the site I was doing, the work of the site I was doing myself, it meant that I kind of kept pretty much like 90% of the revenue, which, which helped. That's awesome. And what was it making, um, I guess, towards the end, finally, yeah. right before you were selling? Yeah, so I, I think it averaged out about 9.50, about around 9, including, I guess, some sponsored posts and ads as well. It kind of stabilized after a nice, really big spike. It kind of like just stabilized at about, about 9, 9.50. Okay, and what, what multiple did you get? Like, yeah. Didn't do the math there, so yeah. What yeah, yeah I, I, I wanted a 30x. But unfortunately, I think I got like a 27. Yeah, so so we negotiated around that. I think the the buyer wanted. He made a fair point that if you put it on marketplace, obviously you're going to get they're going to take their commission, um, which would knock off a little bit. So I thought, okay, that's fair enough. Um, he was all cash as well, so, and he was ready to go there and then. So I um I, I took a just slightly smaller multiple than I would like, but it it made sense at the time. Yeah, and I think. I was chatting with someone earlier and yeah, if you go with a broker, I mean, you're talking 15%. So that's a decent chunk with most of the brokers out there. They do, they do help out. They add some due diligence and some other little things that can help out. But depending on, you know, your experience level and what you know how to do, then you can, you know, get a little bit of a higher price and, and, or just save some money. Everybody saves a little money. Yeah. And did did you sell just directly via like a Facebook group again? No. So so um, with the outreach that I've been doing, um, it 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 wasn't going unnoticed. There was there was a few outreach managers that, and they kind of they were the managers for different pet web websites. And one particular one, she I think she had like about five or six of her clients' websites that she was just managing all the outreach for. And um, I remember she we we had we had, a, we had like an email conversation, and I asked her, okay, yeah, I'm looking to I'm doing my outreach, has the, the, the guest post information, etc. And um, I asked her at the end, I was like, do you have any uh, do you have any other kind of clients, friends, or recommendations for me? And she said, yeah, here they are. And when I replied back saying I've kind of got all these links already, she was like, wow. She was st- uh, kind of stunned, but slightly impressed. And I think based off that, she said, okay, do you know what? Um, I've just had a chat with my client. Which is the person that kind of owned those websites, and, and he said he might be interested. So we had a, from that was kind of that's the way the site got sold. It was a private sale from from an outreach manager who who um, forwarded him on to to her client. Okay, that very interesting. So and I was I was going this route. So I think one of the things you can find is if you're in a specific niche, your site 
maybe has more value. Like if, if you were just selling it to me, whether it was a pet niche or whatever, it's just some yeah. random website. But if you had a site that was like internet marketing and you were, you could show me, Hey, it's getting this much traffic and yeah. there's whatever few hundred articles on there. And yeah. I could immediately migrate it over to my site and know that I'm going to get probably at least that much traffic, maybe more. So like mm -hmm. if it's, if it's like a real strategic value for a company, like you may be able to, you know, either charge more or it's worth more to them just in general. So pretty cool just through yeah. that organic outreach that you were doing. Okay. That's awesome. And, and I forgot to ask this, how many articles did you add um, from, you know, September until you sold it? There was about just over 200, maybe like 210. So okay. yeah, let me like 160, something like that. Okay. That's the new, there were 50 on the site that, that some got taken off. Yeah, like 150, 160, something like that. Okay. So pretty pretty good amount of content, did quite a bit of work. And, you know, you did you did an amazing amount in in one year. So I take it you weren't planning on selling it in the short term when you first purchased the site. But when the opportunity popped up, you were like, yep. Let's do this now. Yeah, yeah, it made sense. Yeah, initially, for me, it was post-Christmas, so like the end of this year, beginning of next. That kind of made sense because multiples were probably, well, multiples wouldn't go up, but the revenue would go up, so you could probably get a higher multiple. That was my plan. But once the offer came up, it was it just made sense. I I feel like with this industry, if if you have an asset, it's best to de-risk yourself sooner rather than later, depending on, depending on where you're trying to take things. And it made more sense to have the cash in bank and then go elsewhere and just essentially do the same thing but on a bigger scale. Okay, cool. And I just interviewed um, Adam Smith from Niche Website Builders and he yeah. had like sort of a similar story. I think his first site was a little more expensive, but yeah. he's gone the route of like purchased and then do an audit, clean things up on site, mm -hmm. off site, sell it, maybe keep it on board if he's, you know, interested in that topic area. So, yeah. So what, what are you doing now? What, what did you do with your uh, earnings there? Some of it I had to, to use for just day to day. Um, Cause I spent a year basically, well, it paid for some for like bills and stuff, but it's always good to take a little money out. Um, but what I'm essentially going to do is just take the bulk of it and put it into another project. Something that needs a bit of like TLC, but on a bigger scale and just, just keep building it and probably flip it in like 18 months. Okay. Very good, man. That's cool. And you were telling me that you are rolling out a bit of a service. Can you tell us a little bit about it here? Yeah, definitely. So, so off the success of the pet website, that's that's obviously um, it's done well. Um, and at the same time, I started up a different site from scratch as well, and that's done really, really well over the past year. Just using exactly the same information that I've been telling you, just making sure everything's correct with links, everything's done correctly with content. On site is done where, as it's supposed to be, and, and off site is it done correctly. So based on those those two, and I think people have started coming to me and saying, "Look, Mo, um, can you can you run my site for me? Can for it?" And I was like, "Not really. I'm kind of doing my own stuff." But um, after a while, I think based on the amount of, um, I guess people just come come coming to me, I realised this probably could be a service, and I could just offset some time and help people out essentially. So so yeah, it's like a it's a it's a management um, service, and uh, it probably is. It's better for two types of people, maybe beginners with some kind of cash heavy, um, they, but they don't really know where to go and need a bit of assistance. Or those that have got like a portfolio of sites and they've got like just too many for them to really spend enough time with. So if that kind of like, if that kind of, um, if that's kind of view, then it, it would make sense to just get someone on board that's got the time, got the ex expertise 
and can just make sure that your asset grows in, in the right direction, essentially. Very cool. Yeah. And I know I'm asked to do that sort of thing pretty often and I don't like working with clients. So, <laughs> and I'm busy, you know, I'm busy yeah. enough or I'm busy as I want to be. I'll put it that way. I'm not, yeah. honestly, um, this is going off subject a little bit. I'm not really that busy, but I don't want to be busy. Cause you know, you talk to people, they're yeah. like, oh man, I'm so busy. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you work on whatever you want to, not everyone, but anyway, I'm really not that busy, but uh, yeah. I just do a, the things that I want to do. So anyway, this is a great service because I know oh. for a fact, those two avatars, those two types of people are out there, new people yeah. with money. And they're like, Hey, I want to invest in a different area. Kind of like, you know, how you got started and mm -hmm. they just don't kind of know what to do. So very yeah. good. And I know it's fledgling. It's just getting started. So we'll put the contact info um, for people to get in touch with you and they'll be able to hit you up directly. Right. hundred percent. The cool thing is I actually enjoy doing this. Yeah, I, I enjoy seeing stats grow. I enjoy taking them from, from where they are and just watching that trajectory. It's what makes me kind of get out of bed in the morning, you know, just, just seeing that, that just having an asset that, that kind of grows. So why not help people that's, that needs to help because they use it. Awesome. Well, anything else, Mo, anything else you want to share here? I think if there's any people that's listening, that's, that's kind of new to the whole niche website building type of, um, of, of business. It's a lot of hard work. It's definitely hard work. Uh, sometimes you can, you can face this kind of fake facade that, that building websites is easy and it really isn't. Um, and I guess I think Doug's mentioned it tons of times. Pe people, they, they, they kind of need to see things out over long periods and, and not get stuck into the short term, short term kind of, um, risks and losses and, and failures because this, this site is a perfect example. I, I could have probably just, just gave up. And to be fair, I, I don't think anyone would have been too cross if I did because having a site that just drops 40% within four weeks is ridiculous. So, so yeah, so it's, it's testament to the fact that if you put a time in that there's definitely a business there, there's, there's something that you can, you can do here. And to be fair, if you can't spend two, like four, five, six hours a day, maybe you can spend two or three and you'll still see success. Just keep following routines and make sure things are structured and have like guidelines. And it's definitely possible because like, I had no idea how to, 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 to rank organic traffic with SEO last year. And this year, I mean, yeah, I do. On that note, and I didn't ask this before, but how did you separate all the noise and marketing from yeah. the actual material that could help you? Because there's conflicting information. Yeah. There's too much information to even do anything useful with if you, you know, go down the rabbit hole. So how did you figure yeah. out what was worthwhile and what wasn't? It's tricky for me. There's there's two there's two ways that you do it. First of all, you, you have to let everything in because there's no way where you can just listen to one or two people on YouTube or or follow one or two blogs and say okay this this is it. You need some context, so you kind of have to let your email your your email inbox open to everyone and um, just find out who resonates with you. Uh, I don't know if if you remember remember Doug, but I think January maybe of this year, uh, I sent an email to you and I said look of all the people that I that I um watch and um, I'm like a, a member of you're one of the only people that I actually follow all the content and, and listen to just because when I first started out well last year September I watched your content and it was just really simple it was honest it, it, it made sense it wasn't like it for me if anyone's trying to throw something down your neck and they're trying to promote 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 it I, I just turn the other way even though what they're promoting could be like fantastic but I just it just I get like a click and I'm like, okay, you know, who's next sort of thing. And for me at, at the time, you wasn't doing it. You were just giving loads of good content. It was just really, really honest. You've done loads of case studies and stuff. So, so that was one way that I, that I deciphered through all of it. Just find someone that's just looking to give and give and give just because they love doing it. You know, you can kind of tell 
because you'll see the content will come out like all the time and they'll just be happy when they're speaking about it and and um they won't kind of bullshit you basically saying everything is going to be fantastic because it's not you know there's going to be hard times and there's going to be bad times so definitely one way also number two is just to go into facebook groups and and find uh people that have worked with other people or people that would recommend other people and and take it from there because a recommendation is probably the best thing you can get from 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 someone else because they've gone through it they've spent three months going through the material and um and it, it works for them so technically it should work for you as well you know very good well thanks for saying that i appreciate it yeah. i didn't we didn't plan that ahead of time but no, no, no. Uh, that's a good co- good compliment well mo thanks a lot and um like i said people can find your contact info really appreciate your time today no worries take care Doc. Thanks a lot to Mo. If you want to connect with him, his contact information is in the show notes. So feel free to reach out. I think he may be sharing his Facebook uh, messenger link so you can chat with him directly. And again, this is just a great story because it's someone who, I mean, this is a terrible thing that happened. He purchased a site and then the traffic went down, the earnings went down, and it's kind of a nightmare. I mean, he even mentioned, you know, not telling his family and friends about it. And he was able to pull out of this nosedive and actually turn it into, you know, number one, a great experience and a good story for us to hear. But also he has all these skills that he's able to apply to new websites, help other people out and I mean, honestly, it took him something like eight months to a year to learn a lot of these skills, taking them one step at a time. And at the end there, you know, I did ask, how did you separate all the noise and the marketing and, you know, the bullshit artists out there from people that were actually providing good information? And you know what? It's not easy to do, but hopefully, you know, you're able to decipher, you know, who, who's telling the truth, who's good to work with. And I mean, you're listening to this show. So hopefully I'm bringing stories from people who are, you know, kind of, you know, just like you, they're going through the same sort of, um, learning experience as well. So anyway, I'm rambling on right now and I'm just going to finish up. So thanks for checking it out. I'll catch you on the next episode.